0: We are beginning a new sermon series today. And I'm excited about it. It's been a while since we've been in a series. And today, the title of the series that we're gonna be going into for the next four weeks is titled, How's the Family. How's the Family? How's the family Journey Church? How you doing? I bet you're here today with your family. Grateful that you are. I bet there are others who wish that they were here with somebody. Wish that there was a mom or a daddy here, wish that there was a brother or a sister here, wish that there was a son. Or a daughter here how is the family it's an important question because whether we admit it or not family forms us family forms us in absolutely every way Uh, it forms us physically right I remember when uh, my baby was born or if you've had a baby you remember or if you've ever seen a a parent who's had a, a baby the moment the baby comes out the mom and dad are debating it's the first fight of a marriage of, uh, when you have kids. It's who does he or she look like? It's the first fight and they'll be like, he looks like you and he looks like me and he's got my ears and he's got my nose and, and she's like, no, he's got my teeth and he ain't got teeth, you know, like he's got my gums and he's got my hair and, and the truth is he, when babies are firstborn, firstborn, they don't look like none of y'all. <laughs> they look like ET when they're firstborn, okay? <laughs> When they head all deformed and just looked like nobody, okay? But after a couple months, they do start to take on some familiarity, some, some likenesses. My boys, for example, um, if you look at their chin, they got a little dimple right here at their chin. That is the Vasquez dimple. Every male in our family has that dimple. We have 40, 50 cousins. Every male has it. It's how I knew the kids were mine. And, of course, course, in addition to the unwavering fidelity of my wife, in addition, in addition to that. And then as they grow physically, you understand that they didn't just get dimples from you. How many people know what I'm talking about? Uh, One day, they'll be in a conversation, and you say something they don't like, and all of a sudden, you see an eye roll. Okay, mom. Okay, dad. And you go, uh, excuse me? Uh, uh, Bring it back. Rewind. What? And you'd be like, that eye roll looked real familiar. I, 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 I knew he had your eyes, but I didn't know he had your eye roll. <laughs> Turns out that, that it wasn't just the dimples. It was also the attitude they got. from. And then that's the next fight. He didn't get that from me. Mm-mm, that's from your side. That's from, that attitude is from your side of the, of the family. Really, for the, for the good or the bad, we, we pass that down uh, to our kids. Family forms us. Again, whether you have a family or whether you think you don't, I think everyone does. You have to admit at least that. And that's why this series is important because so much of who you are today comes from the people who you grew up with, your family. And if you understand that and you understand them, I think you're going to leave here hopefully understanding yourself. The Bible says, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in a way that he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. What's crazy about this verse, I've read this my whole life. And we were taught it in, in, in Sunday school with the kids and, and then parents were taught this. And I've always took this as like a good thing. Like if you train your child in the ways of Jesus, right? Like when they grow old, they'll never depart from Jesus. But, but, but I think the principle applies even to the negative things. It didn't say train up your child in, the, in, in just the good and he will do it. Train up your child and he will do the way that you train him. It works in the bad too. I've learned this. If you can hand me that, that golf club right here, I am not a golfer. I'm really bad at golfing. But once, this is my kids, by the way. This is why it's so short. I remember, um, it's cute, right? And uh, I went, I remember going to the driving range one time because uh, I wanted to get good because I was going to go golfing for the first time, not on, like, for the first time that I didn't have to pay like $8 for, like, on a mini golf course. Like, it was real. Legit golfing. Raise your hand if you're a golfer in this way. In this you golf. Raise your hand. You're, okay, we are not a golfing church. <laughs> Good to know. Hey, Amen. That's probably why we don't have a lot of money because uh, golfers, they be balling. Um, and so anyway, just playing. Like I play basketball. Uh, no, listen, I never liked golf, uh, but I, I learned to respect it because I went out to the golf course and I started swinging. And let me tell you, I just kept missing. Every time I had the ball, I set up the tee and I'd be like something broke. <laughs> and I just kept, and I just kept, I just kept, I kept missing it. Just kept missing it. And all of a sudden this guy who's like six driving stalls down, he comes over and he's like, Hey, can I help you? And I'm like, I would love that help. He's like, let me see your swing again. Cause I noticed you keep missing. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, yeah, hitting a golf ball guys is one of the hardest things to do in sports. And, and so he, he, he's like, Oh, I kept swinging like this. I was like, you <laughs> know, Because the only reference point I have is Happy Gilmore. And so I just, I'm just like, you know, and he's like, first off, keep your feet planted. And I just kept getting everything wrong. And he goes, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. He said, did you play baseball when you were a kid? I said, man, I played baseball all the time. Like, baseball was my sport. I played baseball. He goes, that's your problem. I said, what? He goes, "You're you're trying to swing a golf club like you swing a baseball bat. And your baseball swing is messing up your golf swing. And so he gave me some adjustments, and then boom, I hit it. And then I said, thank you, sir. It's so good to know that this golf course has um, professional trainers on hand to help people when they need help. He goes, oh, no, I don't work here. You just really look like you needed help (laughs) when I was came over. I was like, oh, man, thank you so much. This guy's nice. You should come to my church. Um, What's crazy is I hadn't played baseball in years yet the way I was trained as a child was impacting me as an adult. If I didn't know that, I would have thought what? I'm just not good at baseball. I'm at golf. I'm just, I wasn't just, I wasn't born to play golf. But what if there are some things about your life that you thought you were just born that way? What if you weren't born that way? Question, what if you were trained that way? What if you were just trained that way? It's hard to believe because and it's you don't want to believe it because if you were born that way, then you will be trapped in whatever you were born in. But the moment you believe that you were trained in it, now you have the responsibility of untraining or retraining. So you want to keep that revelation at bay because it allows me to exempt myself from responsibility. But I'm just saying, what if you were trained that way? What if you're not just bad with money? What if you were trained that way? What if you grew up in a home where mom and dad spent more money on shoes and vacations than they did in retirement? So you never learned about a, 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 how's it, how do you pronounce it uh, budget? Never seen one of those growing up. What if you're not just quote unquote concerned about the church? But what if in the back seat of the car ride home from church every Sunday you heard your mom and dad pick apart the pastor and the members and the Sunday school teacher, and they thought you weren't listening, but you heard everything that said. I'm just. What if you were trained to complain? Wow. What if? What if you? What if you didn't just shut down every time you were in an argument with someone you love because you couldn't handle it anymore? I'm, I'm here. I'm done. I'm just, I'm done because I've hit my limit. Well, what if you learned your limit? What if your limit is learned? What if you saw that with mom and dad? What if because they couldn't process the, the conversation because they couldn't take it to the next level? So well, this is what you do when there's no resolution. You just shut down. You. You time it out, family forms us. And today I want to talk about the most formative voice, the most formative family member in your life. Today I want to talk about dad. There is no voice in your life more formative than the voice of your father. Biologically speaking, we can go there, we'll start there. The woman provides the X chromosome, but it's the man, DNA, who provide the father's DNA who provides either the X or the Y. He literally forms you. Culturally speaking, you typically or traditionally speaking, you get your last name from who? Traditionally, the father. Biblically speaking, back in the Bible times, you know that your career or your trade would be determined by whatever your father did. So he determined who you became in life. And I want to tell you, not much has changed. I think there is one question that affects who you become and who you've become. If there's one question who can affect that outcome, it's the answer to this question. So how's The relationship with your dad. How's that relationship? Now, automatically we start talking about this. There are some people who like check out. They're like, this sermon is not for me, Pastor JJ. How come? Because I never had a dad. My dad was never around. My dad never spent time with me. I don't even know who my dad is. I never met him. This sermon. But what if his absence was the most formative thing in your life? Sometimes him not being there has made you who you are. And you go, well, and usually in two ways it affects you. You're either there for your kid, like you're not absent, you're present, but you're inactive because you thought, well, my dad was never there to really help raise me and I turned out all right, so I don't really need to be there for my kid. Or you go the opposite way because your dad was so bad, you go, I never want to be that way. And the first time you drop the ball on your child, you go, oh, I'm becoming my dad. Full of guilt, full of shame. Others who think that this doesn't apply to them are probably the people who had a good dad. They're probably in here today like, I've got zero daddy issues. My dad was awesome. He went to church. He was a great guy. Great guy. I love my dad. Well, let me just tell you right now, the gap between a bad dad and a good dad is right here. But the gap between a good dad and a perfect dad is from here to the moon. Guys, I had a good dad. Like, he was great. He did a good job. He loved me. I remember Uh, One day, coming down from school, I hadn't seen my dad in like a week because he was working super, just a lot of jobs after jobs after jobs. And by the time he came home, I was asleep. And in the morning, he was gone to work. He was just a hustler. And I came down to the fridge. And on the fridge, I'll never forget this. I don't know how old I was, but it was a sticky note on the fridge. And it said, to JJ, I'm sorry you haven't seen me. I just want you to know I love you. I don't know how old I was when I saw that, but can I tell you, I still remember that to this day. I remember driving home from church one day, and he goes, JJ, look up at the water tower. There was a water tower on the left side. Do you remember, Mom? There was a water tower on the left side, and it said, and it was big. It was a big water tower. We're driving on the highway, and it said, Freddie loves Liz plus JJ. Vicky wasn't born yet. When she came, it kind of... <laughs> I, I no longer got the attention I used to get. It's, it's, it's why I'm in therapy right now. <laughs> it's, I, the water tower said... Freddie loves Liz plus JJ. I was like, I was young, but I was old enough to know that's a crime. Like that Legally, that's vandalism. Like, let's be real here. But it felt so good to know my dad would break the law for me. He would go to jail for me? No way, dad. Thank you. I love you. Like, I had a good dad, but he wasn't perfect. I remember one day I asked mom, I was like, is dad here today? Because I don't know that he knows that I know this story, but um, he'll find out at the 11 o'clock. And uh, he leads the safety team at our church. I remember one day being in the rain. My dad is a patient, 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 patient man. One of the most patient people you will ever meet until he's not. (laughs) And I didn't know that. And and so I remember one day we were sitting in the rain outside of our, in our car, our, our beige minivan And it starts to rain, and there's like we're trying to leave Blockbuster. You remember that? We're trying to leave Blockbuster. There's three cars in front of us, and there's a stop sign. And my dad can't move because there's three cars in front of him. And the guy behind him is just honking relentlessly, relentlessly. My dad can't move, honking relentlessly. My dad got out of the car in the rain, walked over to the car behind me. This is at that point, he was the most patient man (laughs) I had ever met in my life. Walks over to the car, he goes, I can't go anywhere. Do you see me? Okay, there's a car up there. I can't go anywhere. Bro, I can't go anywhere. I was in the car, like. And then he came in, didn't say a word. Like nothing, like everything was normal. And I was just like, you know, I gotta be honest, I was kind of happy to see that side of him because it immediately relieved any pressure to be perfect in my life. I was like, okay, he got issues too. Good to know. Good to know. And a lot of that patience slash impatience rubbed off on me. I'm probably one of the most patient people you will ever meet. Until I'm not. I remember laying down. Justice was just a little boy laying down, and he grabbed a guitar. And uh, it was like a, like a mid-sized guitar. And uh, he was playing with it, and I guess he wanted to fight with me. I was laying down watching TV. He takes this guitar. Guys, not a plastic guitar. It's a wooden guitar. And he just tomahawk hits me on the forehead. With this guitar, and I lost it. I'm not gonna tell you what happened, because there might be somebody who works for DCF. I just lost it. And after that, I remember thinking, what just happened? What did I do? What did I say? He's just a child. It's so funny because they got to pick instruments now. They're learning instruments. And I gave them the option of the guitar and the piano. And Justice is like, no, I don't want to play guitar. I'm like, you don't remember why, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) I know why why you don't want to play guitar. I'm just saying, I know for a fact my children will be in therapy for something I said or did. I know it because I'm not perfect, because I'm not a perfect dad. And let me just relieve you if you feel like you didn't have a perfect dad. No one does. There are no perfect fathers sometimes the mistakes that they made in life weren't even mistakes because it wasn't even their fault. Like some people here today, you have a father who was either sick or dead and they're not here. And it's crazy because even though it wasn't their fault, you still feel like they abandoned you because abandonment doesn't care if it was their choice or not. When a parent dies, when a father dies, they abandoned you. They left you. And now you got issues because of that abandonment. So what do you do with all the issues that we've got in our life? How do we handle those issues? And I, I remember asking my father, cause his father was a terrible, 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 terrible man, terrible man. We could preach about that just for a whole, I remember asking my father I said, how did you become such a great dad with the dad that you had? And cause he's not perfect, but my God, from where he came from, freaking all-star. So I asked him, I said, how did you do it? He said, my, he goes, God taught me everything I needed to know about being a father. I want to tell you a couple things real quick. I want to tell you everybody in this room, whether you believe it or not, whether you deny or admit it, everybody in this room has daddy issues. Everyone. And the only way to fix the father wound, here's the title of my message, is with the father fix. The father fix. That's the title of my sermon, the father fix. Heavenly father God. That's why we call him father, by the way. Not because of his gender. God is neither male nor female. We call him father because of the ability that he has to form who we are. Romans 8.15 says this. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, look at this verse. I love it. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to Sunday. And by him we cry, Abba, father. If you don't know what Abba means, there's something really cool. Languages all over the world. the 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 word papa or dada. Like if you speak English, you might hear a baby say dada. Do you know that there is no etymological, like there's no history, there's no reason, like came up with the word dada. Scientists had to look into it, and they believe the reason why we say dada is because when you're a baby, it's like all you have to do is put together two syllables, da 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 da. And it's crazy because if you come from a Latin country, it's not dada, but it's still two syllables. It's papa, papa, papa. In Aramaic, it wasn't dada or papa. It was abba, abba, abba. It was the word that a baby would use to to describe and define the father who is curling them in holding them in his arms the helpless little baby that love that intimacy that is what god says you can call me in your life i can't put the words together that's what i love because sometimes i pray and i don't know what to say have you ever been there we are like, there's so much going on right now, I don't know where to start. Would you, where you want me to start? With the money issues or the, or the sex issues or the, or the relationship issues or the, or the healing issues? And so, when you can't put the words together, God says, here, here, let me give you the word. Ready? Abba. Oh, it's beautiful. I will be your dad. I will be your father. Let me tell you, everyone needs a father. Even Jesus needed a father. I don't know what happened to this guy, Joseph, that we read about. <laughs> He gets one chapter in the Bible, but that's all he gets. One chapter, two chapters, depending on the book, Joseph, the father of Jesus. I don't know if Joseph was absent in Jesus's life, but what I do know is that he is absent from the scriptures in Jesus's life, yet it never seems to affect Jesus because Jesus knows who his real father is. One day he, was, he, he got lost, or they thought he was lost, but he wasn't lost, and they found him at church. And they said, what are you doing at church? We left like three days ago. Which I'm like, y'all terrible parents. Y'all been going three days and you don't know what. Good God. Like, this is Jesus' first <laughs> introduction to humanity. <laughs> you know? Like they don't care. <laughs> They'll forget you. And then Jesus looks at his father and mother. He goes, why were you scared? He goes, didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? Wow, okay. He knew who his dad was. And there's a great passage of scripture in uh, in Luke Luke chapter 3 verse 21 through 22 goes like this it says when all the people were being baptized Jesus was baptized too and he was praying and heaven was opened and the holy spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven and said you are my son whom I love with you, I am well pleased. There are three things that every person needs to hear from their father. Here's my point. Here's is where the father fix comes in. If you can take notes, you can write it down. If you're watching this online, write it down. There are three things that God tells Jesus in this verse right here that every person, I don't care how old you are, 15 or 55, that you need to hear from your father. You might not have gotten growing up. The first is you are my son. In other words, God is saying, I'm going to give you your identity. Your identity. Your identity comes from your father. This is why if you were adopted, even though your birth parent was never there for you, you want to find out who they were. You want to meet them. Why? Because you're hoping that in meeting them, what? You're going to find out a little bit more about what? Who you are. Are you catching it? This is why if you lose a parent, you feel like you lost a bit of yourself. Now, we don't really use the word identity a lot today in sentences unless you're speaking about identity theft. Raise your hand if you've ever had your identity stolen, identity theft, identity theft. Okay, it's just you and me. We're the only ones. I've had, you guys are really good with your credit cards, I guess, but we're reckless. And so I remember my identity got stolen, and uh, and the way I found out was Liz was going through the bank account, and she saw a purchase, and she was a little concerned about this purchase, because it was a purchase for European lingerie, and it was not a company she buys from, and it was not her size. And it was under my card. And so she's like, Can I talk to you for a second? I was like, Sure, baby, what's up? I was like, I promise. I did not buy this. And all I kept saying was, you know me. You know me. I would never do this. I would never buy this. You know me. It's JJ. You know me. We've been married for a long time. You know me. And she's like, I know. you. It's probably probably your identity got stolen and your credit card. I was like, good, good. You know me. You know me. What I found out that day was that that thief could steal my credit card number and he could steal my money, but he couldn't steal my identity. She knew me. The reason why she couldn't, he, couldn't, he could steal my money but not my identity is because my identity is not in my money. And my identity is not in success. And my identity is not in achievements. And my identity is not in relationships. My identity isn't on him or in her. My identity comes from God. And when you know who you are, no one can take that from you. Nothing can take that from you. There's a peace that comes from that when you know who you are, a centeredness. But the devil will try and take it from you. What's crazy is in Luke 3, he said, the father said to Jesus, you are my son. Look what happens in Luke 4. Just a couple of lines in your Bible down. Then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, what? In chapter 3, the father goes, you are my son. And in chapter 4, the devil goes, yeah, but if you are, prove it. The world and the enemy will always tell you to prove it. If you are intelligent, he said, he said, turn that stone into a loaf of bread. This is what the world will tell you. If you are intelligent, turn that diploma into a degree. If you are intelligent. If, if you are successful, because I know you think you're successful, and I know you think you got skills and, and all this, but if you are successful, turn that apartment into a home. Turn that Toyota into a Tesla. Turn that business into a company. I know you think you're beautiful, but if you are beautiful, turn that makeup into a man. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Turn that ring, turn that finger into a ring. If you really are beautiful, if you really do have a destiny, the enemy will always tell you prove it. But when the enemy tells you prove it, say, I don't got to prove it. He's already proved it. The proof is all right here. I am who I am, not because of what I've done, not because of where I succeeded, not because of where I failed. I am who I am because God said I am who I am. I am a son because he said so, and there's nothing you can do, and there's nothing that can happen to me that can strip me from that. When the enemy tries to label you, reject, failure, that is who you are. Go, that is not who I am. I am a son of God. Sorry, you got me in the wrong place. My wife, she, um, she, uh, she would go shopping, and she would find uh, sometimes in the clearance rack like a, in like a piece of clothing that was like super expensive, but it was in the clearance rack, and she knows the rules. So she would call over the, the lady who works there. She'd be like, excuse me, ma'am, this is, so this is 50% off, right? <laughs> this is 50, I mean, in the, you got to abide by the rules. This is 50% off. I know this thing says 300 but this is 50% off. So you got to give me 50% off. The lady's like, no. <laughs> I know what you mean, but this is not supposed to be here. This has got way more value than that. Oh, I'm just trying to give you some tools to fight when you wrestle with who you are. I don't care where the enemy puts you or what he tries to label you. You don't belong there. You belong right here at the front of the store. This is who God said you are. Next verse, Luke three twenty-three. you are my son whom I love. Here's the next thing you need from a father, affection. Whom I love. And there are people here in this room today, you've never gotten a hug from your father in your life. He's never hugged you. He's never kissed you. He's never told you I love you. And if he did, it was real quick. It felt just like whatever. He doesn't really spend, never spend time with you. Instead, he tried to buy your love. So he would come home with toys and purchase things for you, but never really spend time with you. But you would trade every one of those toys for a talk if you could. Affection, my love. And and you got to understand this is affecting you more than you know. Because when you don't get love where you're supposed to get it, you go looking for it where you shouldn't go looking for it. And it's affecting you. Now, in order to talk about this more, I gotta teach you some words. Because in English, we just got one word for love, love. But that that complicates things. Because we'll just use that word interchangeably, switch out the nouns, but it means different things. You'll be like, I love football. I love God. I love my wife. And I love cheese. I love all of those things I feel like we should find another word (laughs) or else we'll treat God our spouse and our kids like cheese (laughs) and cheese like God (laughs) the illustration went off right there but you know what I mean in the Greek they don't have one word for love they got four words for love four words for love the first is philia somebody say philia Philia. Not Felicia philia (laughs) And it means friendship love, friendship love. That's like, that's my homie, this is my girls, this is my crew. You guys hang out all the time. You're in the same small group. You know, you're bonded by like your favorite movies. You like, you group watch Disney Plus together and like Netflix together. You talk like these are your homies. You love them. It's ride or die. That's philia. It's where we get the word Philadelphia from, the city of brotherly love. It's a friendship type of love. The other kind of love is eros, eros. It's where we get the English word erotic from. It's romantic love. It's the kind of love you feel. You know what I'm saying? The kind of love that's like, ooh, girl, I get so weak in the knees. You know what I'm talking about? That's that kind of love. It's eros. It's romantic. It's sexy. It's passionate. And then there's storge. And by the way, each love increases in intimacy. Storge. You can think stork. The stork brings. Baby, that's really not how it's done, but you know what I'm talking about. It's a family love. It's the kind of love we have for mom and dad and brothers and sisters. And This is the kind of love you have for people. You just love them because you have to. (laughs) But it's loyal love. You know what I'm saying? It's like you could treat me. If you were anybody else, I would not be in your life right now. But because you're my brother, because you're my sister, because you're my mother, yes, I will see you at Thanksgiving. (laughs) Because I love you love and the ultimate love is agape love. And agape love is an unconditional God-type love. In order to teach you about this love, I brought along a guest speaker with me today. She's going to help me teach you more about these types of loves and how they affect our life. I want everybody to put your hands together for Winter Park Wilma. Winter Park. Please welcome her to the stage. I want to thank Radiant Church and Aaron Burke for this sermon illustration. Uh, I couldn't find another way to communicate it to you. Winter Park Wilma is uh, you and me. I mean, if I was a guy and Wilma, I am a guy, but if this was a guy. And so uh, Winter Park Wilma. Winter Park Wilma is you. She's she's stunting. You know, she got the earrings, cool dress. She got the platform sneakers. She's ready to hang. And uh, she's looking for love. She's looking for love. She didn't really get it. From her dad and so the first place she looks for love is where her ladies yeah what's up ladies how you doing it cool with that girl? <laughs> they're hanging out having a good time you know she got half of the necklace that says beef and then she got the other one beef and it puts together BFF you know you're broken in half and <laughs> you hang out all the time you chill out in the pool you take pictures from your knees down <laughs> That's what girls do, and they hang and they, what are you wearing? I like that perfume. It's good. And you hang out, it's awesome. And you have a good time with your friends. This is for Leah. Friendship love. But the problem with friendship love is that love that's experienced in friends is fickle. It's fickle. It just takes one missed birthday message. Hello. It just takes one, why didn't you like that photo? It just takes one argument. It just takes one election. You voted for who? (laughs) And all of a sudden, y'all were tight. Ride or die has become (laughs) bye-bye. Sometimes it's not even their fault. They move. They get a job. The point is, this doesn't last. Love that's experienced with friends is fickle. And so she goes looking, Winter Park Wilma goes looking for the next level of love, and she finds it in Winter Park Will. Yeah. Winter Park Will is a baller. He's got a very feminine car. He loves it. He drives it around. He's how he gets the ladies. She's like, what up, Wilma? She's like, what up, Will?" And they're like, girl, you're so beautiful. And she's like, thank you. you handsome. And then they drive down, you know, to downtown Orlando, looking at the, the friends that they forgot because now she got a man and so she don't even hang out with them anymore. <laughs> so she's she just alone in here. I love you. You love me. Anyway. Um, and so... And this is cool. They, they love each other. But the thing you got to know is that love that's experienced in romance is fading. Yeah, that's six. Look at him. Winter Park Will is ripped, jacked. But that six-pack turned into a dad bod real quick. Winter Park Will, I hate to tell you, but those lashes is fake, bro. They're fake. She don't look like that in the morning. I'm going to tell you right now. No offense, ladies. I just... I didn't know you could purchase so much of your face. <laughs> I had to learn that. <laughs> I, had to, I had to learn that when I got married. And so, and so, she's, she, and, and so it was good for the moment, you know, but it, it didn't, listen, the gap was still there. It couldn't fill the void in her heart. So she had to move on. She's like, this isn't real. Like, it didn't last. And so I got to go to that next level of love. And, and she finds it. She finds love in store gay. She finds the, the, apparently a new guy. It didn't work out with that guy. And so she found a new guy. And, and now she's got these amazing kids. And, and these are the kids that she prayed for. This is the store gay love. You know, her kids ain't going anywhere. The only problem is these kids that she prayed for so hard are draining her. This husband that she prayed for so hard, they got into an argument. Here's the thing you need to know about the love that's experienced in family. The love that's experienced in family is frustrating. It's frustrating. It doesn't, you got all the baseball games and you got the diapers and then you got the school dances and and then you got all this work that needs to happen and jobs and still got to keep romance alive and and, and it's frustrating. But there's an ultimate kind of love that I want to introduce you to today that I hope you find. It's not philia, it's not eros, it's not storge. It's agape. And let me tell you something about the love that's experienced in Father God. The love that's experienced in friends is fickle. The love that's experienced in romance is fading. The love that's experienced in family is frustrating. But the love that's experienced in the father is foundational. It wasn't even that they were bad friends. It wasn't even that he was a bad guy. It wasn't even that they were bad kids. Is that you were going to a limited source for an unlimited need. They only have so much love to give you. He only has so much love to give you. Those kids only have so much love to give you. But the Bible says God is love. In other words, he is the unconditional source to fill the gaps and the voids that your dad could not fill in your life, that she could not fill in your life, that they could not fill in your life. And when he fills you, guess what? He impacts the way you lead your family, impacts the way you go into your relationships, impacts the way you love your friends. Because you don't go into those relationships looking to get. you go into those relationships ready to give what the Father has poured out into you. It's foundational. It's foundational. It's foundational. Thank you, Wilma. Hey, we'll close here. This is the final one. Luke chapter 3, verse 22. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Are you ready for the last thing every child needs to hear from their father? Affirmation. I am well pleased affirmation with you, I am well pleased. I have a friend who's a pastor. His father just died of Alzheimer's. And while he was going through the stages and the phases, he asked his mom, hey, is this a good night? Because if you ever have a loved one who struggles with Alzheimer's, you know, some days are good and some days are bad. And he asked his mom, "Is, is, is this a good day to take dad out? I would love to take him out to dinner before he really loses because at that point, some days he wouldn't even recognize his own son. And, uh, oh, little important detail. His dad was a pastor, and the son was now pastoring the church that his dad started. And so they go out to eat, and they're at a steakhouse, and conversation is going great. I mean, this is one of those good nights. His, his dad is in there, and, and, and they get in the car, and they go home. And right before the dad goes into the house... The son grabs him, his name's Scott, Pastor Scott grabs him and says, hey dad, can I ask you a question? And the the dad goes, sure son, anything. Look at the question. Not knowing if he will ever get to ask his dad another question again. Not knowing if his dad will ever remember him. Not only if his his dad will have the lucidness to answer. He grabs his dad by the hand, he says, dad, can I ask you one more question? Just one last question before you go inside. He said, before you go? Say, yes son, anything. Remember that the church that he's leading is now it was the church that his dad started. He goes, dad, look at the question. He goes, am I doing a good job? Am I doing a good job, dad? Dad, are you proud of me? Every son and daughter needs to hear the answer to that question. Sometimes my mom will, when she introduces me to people It's never JJ. This is my son, Pastor JJ. (laughs) Pastor JJ. And I know why she does it. She does it because she's proud of me. And And it touches my heart that she's proud of what I've accomplished. I get that. As a parent, I'm proud of my kids for what they accomplished. But the first time I was ever proud of my son, ever, it wasn't when he played his first instrument. It wasn't when he won his first soccer game. It wasn't when he wrote his first poem. It wasn't when he graduated uh, kindergarten it, it wasn't when um he gave away his money to the don't hold back campaign last year the money he saved all year and gave it away so that others could hear the gospel others could make it Jesus accessible for others the, the moment i was the first moment i was ever most proud of my son was when he was born and i picked him up and i was like oh my gosh i'm so proud I, it was the only record. i'm so pleased I am so proud, and what's crazy is he hadn't even done anything. In fact, at this stage of his life, he is taking more than he is giving. <laughs> he came out and with him came a bill. Hello. <laughs> a big one too. He was taking way more than he was giving. You, can, you guys can play behind. Me. He said, "But I was so proud just because he was born. You know what's crazy about? this is my son whom i love with you i am well pleased that he said it father god said it before jesus had done one miracle this is luke 3 not luke 13 before one miracle before one sermon was preached before the cross was carried before he died on it before he resurrected are you tracking with me before jesus did a thing father god said with you i am well pleased just because you're mine you're my son i gotta look in the camera for this if you're in person you can look at the screen because god told me to give you a specific message right here you hear God told me to give you a specific message today, and I need you to hear it from me, whether you're online or whether you're in person. This is the message God told me to give you today. My son, my daughter, I'm proud of you. With you, I am well pleased. But I didn't do anything, God. fact I've probably been doing bad yeah but you are justified not by works but by faith there's a reason why we call it when you decide to follow Jesus my son my daughter being born again because the thing I am most proud about is that you were born and I want you to know I'm looking at you today. It's not my eyes. It's the eyes of the Father. Hear me, son. Hear me, daughter. You might have never heard it from your earthly father. I'm proud of you. You're doing a good job. Good job, son. Good job, daughter. Just because you're mine, you believe in your faith. And when you've learned that God is pleased, you can stop living to please others. You are free from having to count the likes on your last photo. You're free. You're free from being attached to the applause. You're free. You're free from being having the need to be told you're beautiful, you're special, you're my son, you're my daughter, I'm pleased. I love you. You're free. You're free. You're free. You're free. You're free, you're free today. Everything you needed from your dad, you're getting from the Father today. Identity and acceptance. Affection and affirmation. I'm pleased with you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, right now, we have broken hearts. This is a somber moment, Lord. So I want to give every son and daughter in this room to process what the Holy Spirit's speaking to them right now, how the Holy Spirit's ministering right now, how the Holy Spirit's talking right now. We got a lot of sons and daughters. We got sons and daughters who are 16 in the audience we've got sons and daughters who are 61 in the audience and You've been living for the approval of your dad for so long for so many years. You wanted to prove it to him That you deserve it. You wanted to prove it to him that you were good You wanted to prove it to him that you have what it takes and I want to tell you today You don't got to prove it any You don't prove it any longer You don't got to prove it any longer You are my daughter. You are my son. I love you And with you, I am well pleased. Good job. Right there, right there in that moment. Would you just receive the love of God right now? Just receive the love of God right now. Go ahead and receive the acceptance. Receive the affirmation right now. What you never got from him, get it from the Lord right now. Receive the affection, the hug that you would have paid a million dollars for. Receive that hug right now, the kiss that you would have paid a million dollars for. Receive that kiss right now. The pat on the back that you would have paid a million dollars for. Receive it right now from your Father in Heaven. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are my love. With you, I am, well I am well pleased. I am well pleased. I am well pleased. We hope you've enjoyed this message and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.